This is Evolutionary Radio. This is your host, Trevor Peritzen. Me and Steve are going to be doing another Q&A episode for you guys. But before we end the episode, I need to plug our sponsors. This is something we don't do enough. Both Steve and myself are very fortunate to have needtobuildmuscle.com sponsoring this podcast since day one. We're almost at our 250th episode, and they never have actually forced us to put in sponsor messages or anything like that. So it's a really, really genuine sponsor. It's someone that me and Steve, we both use their products ourselves. Um, they got a really good liver aid called N2 Guard. They got krill oil. They got creatine. Um, it's it's just a really well-run company. I mean, their creatine is just creatine. There's no magic. It's it's affordably priced. I mean, I think the creatine is less than twenty dollars. I mean, it's just it's just ethically dosed products. No proprietary blends. No secrets. Um, so yeah, I want to give that a plug. That's something we haven't done enough. Um, Steve, do you want to get into the episode? You got, I know you're, you're going to the dentist in a couple hours here. Hey. Yeah. I'm, I'm having all my dental, uh, some dental work done and I'm having some other stuff, medical stuff done. So, uh, it's been hitting me pretty hard in the pocket. So, but you know, stuff you have to do. I mean, as you get older guys, your teeth are very important and I'm telling you, like you go out on a date with a girl and you smile or you kiss her and you got rotten teeth, you got smelly breath. You got tartar, you got cavities. I mean, it's not going to go over well. So you got to take care of your teeth from a young age. And um, I actually, in my early 20s, I didn't really take care of my teeth. I didn't go to the dentist for, for many years. So now as you get older, it catches up to you. So you got to take care of your teeth from, you know, your whole life. As much as everyone hates going to the doctor, you got to do it. So our first topic comes in uh, to Trevor's Instagram page from Laura. Lie Rose. She says, hi, Trevor. Listen to the evolutionary podcast. And I have a question I'd like to submit. I have ran a few cycles of Anavar and I am considering Primo for my next cycle. I am obviously a female. So I wanted some advice on cycle dosage, expected strength and size gains, and basically the pros and cons of the drug for women. I get great results from Anavar with practically no sides whatsoever but I worry about potential sides with Primo. Any advice? Thank you. So Primo, um, guys, in case you guys are new to steroids, means uh, Primo Bolin, and um, it usually comes in NFA ester. So Trevor, you want to hit this one first? I, so, so like first off, let's, let's talk about steroids for females. I think the two safest steroids for females are Anavar and Primo Bolin. You'll also hear some females use Winstrol or T-Ball. I don't think that's smart. I think Anavar and Winst- uh, Anavar and Primobolin are the two safest steroids for females. Um, if a stero- if a female would like to get more aggressive, I would stack, you know, maybe Anavar with a SARM or Primobolin with a SARM. But I really don't think it's smart for a female to use any steroids besides Anavar or Primobolin. Um, the androgenic side effects of steroids will be permanent in a female, so you'll experience. Uh, facial hair growth, you'll experience voice deepening, you'll experience clitoris enlargement. Um, so yeah, females, this is something I'd, I'd really take seriously. So Primobolin and Anavar are the two safest steroids. I actually prefer Primo over Anavar. Um, the nice thing about Primo is that it's not, not liver toxic. Um, it's also fairly inexpensive because for a female, you wouldn't need a very high dosage. What I would do is most Primo and Anthate is sold in 10 milliliter, 100 milligram per milliliter vials. So I'd buy one vial and I would do 100 milligrams per week for 10 weeks. Very, very simple. And then for a PCT, I would run a good natural testosterone booster. So that's what I would do. Very, very simple. 10-week cycle, two-week break, four-week PCT with a good natural testosterone booster. Steve, what are your thoughts? So a couple things on this. Um, Let me take it this way. So first off, you want to be careful because these, the ones that are good for females are also heavily faked. So you want to make sure you're using a legit source first off, because a lot of women will use what Trevor mentioned and then come back with a lot of problems. And it's because they're actually using something else because sources, you know, sometimes sources don't do it on purpose, but they use a poor 
source for their raws or the source themselves don't care about their actually checking their own stuff. So they'll basically make the stuff, sell it without double checking that it's real. And that is cost, costly to do that, but sources are trying to cut corners. So that's very common. So you wanna make sure you're using a legitimate source. Number two with women, if you've ever been to the gym and seen a woman who's obviously on steroids or been to a bodybuilding competition, you'll notice they have male traits. They have extremely wide, they may have wide shoulders, they may have a deepening voice, they may have more body and facial hair than they should. Their hair might look really, you know, different than a female hair. And, you know, I do have friend, female friends who are heavily into bodybuilding and they do venture into the more androgenic compounds, which do have viralization. So, if you go down that route, look, it's your body, it's your business. I'm not going to tell you not to, but I'm telling you that, you know, you're not going to look feminine and some of these viralization issues can be quite long-term and permanent. So you have to really, really be careful and set a goal and, you know, keep that in mind because a lot of men, I don't know what Trevor's into, but I know for me, I'm not into that look. I like a feminine woman. So a lot of guys are going to be extremely intimidated by, by that look. So keep that in mind. The androgenic steroids obviously are moderate doses of testosterone or even what would be considered for a male a TRT dosage would be very androgenic for a female. Trenbolone, D-bowl, you know, those are very androgenic. Anadrol, those are very, very tough. And they're tough even for men to take. So I can't even imagine what women would take, but some women do take them, believe it or not. We had a woman on the forums taking trend and it's, uh, it's pretty mind boggling what, what people will do, but Hey, like I said, it's your body. Just know what's going to happen. That's all I care, personally care about. Next think, question. Steve, I think you clear that up pretty well. Just, just one thing I want to clear up is that if a woman used trend, I don't want people to think that they wouldn't get great results because they would get fantastic results. And that's why women are lured to using very androgenic steroids like Trenbolone. But you're going to also get a lot of side effects. So don't think that a woman responds to compounds. Like a woman would get really, really good results from Trend. Actually, better results from a man who's more sensitive to anabolic hormones. But it's going to come with a ton of side effects. And those side effects are permanent. So what me and Steve are saying is it's just not worth it. Next question that came to Trevor is, hey, Trev. Um, have you guys even done an episode of SARMs? If not, can you do one, please? I was just wondering if I could use SARMs during PCT for better recovery and keeping game. So let's hit this with uh, SARMs during post-cycle and SARMs during bridge. Have you done that, Trevor, yourself? Go ahead. Maybe I'll talk about post-cycle and you talk about bridge. Do you want to do that? Yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... I really like including SARMs in uh, post-cycle therapy uh, as so it's kind of a misconception. People think a PCT is going to turn your natural testosterone production back on. No, it, it's not like that. It's, it's a dimmer switch. It's not a light switch. So a PCT, it gives you a soft landing and it helps your natural testosterone production slowly start working again. You're not going to recover overnight, right? Cause you're just shut down for 10 weeks, 12 weeks, 14 weeks, 16 weeks, whatever. Right? So, what I like to do for a PCT, I like to use the classics, you know, Clomid and Novadex. I also would like to use a good natural testosterone booster. Some people will argue with me on that, but what I say is that's going to help stimulate the laid egg cells and it's not suppressive. So something like HCG will also stimulate the laid egg cells and stimulate LH and FSH, but it's suppressive. So with a good natural testosterone booster, you get the same benefits as HCG, but it's not suppressive. And then I also really like adding in the SARMs Osterin and Carterin. So Osterin, Osterin was originally developed to prevent muscle loss in people who are experiencing muscle wasting diseases like HIV and cancer. So the nice thing about including Osterin in a PCT is that it's going to prevent the muscle loss as your hormones are low because coming off of a PCT, your cortisol levels are high, your testosterone is low, your body's in a very stressed state. So I like Osterin. It's going to help you keep your gains. And I also like including Carterin. A couple of reasons for that is that I also, as you get into PCT with the high cortisol, low testosterone, most people put on a lot of body fat. So Cardrin will help prevent that. 
And then cardarin, it also improves endurance. It lowers cortisol levels. It helps increase muscle insulin sensitivity. So you need a lot of therapeutic benefits from the cardarin as well. Um, it's also shown to improve cholesterol, particularly raise HDL. So after a steroid cycle, your cholesterol levels are going to be pretty poor. Your HDL is going to be suppressed. So cardarin is going to help prevent fat gain, but it's also going to be a lot of therapeutic benefits. It's going to increase your endurance. So it's going to help you maintain the weights that you were using on your cycle. It's going to improve your cholesterol. It's going to, it's just, it's just a really nice therapeutic compound. So that'd be my recommendation is for a PCT, I would use Clomid, Novadex, a good natural testosterone booster, Osterin and Carterin. So then Steve, you can talk about bridging um, after your PCT and in between your next steroid cycle. Yeah. So bridging for those that don't know is after your PCT, you come off your PCT, you wait a few weeks, you run blood work, then you start your bridge phase. Your bridge phase takes you into your next steroid cycle. And the idea between the bridge is to at least, you know, give you that on feeling. So during the bridge, this is what I recommend. Um, I recommend n generate during your bridge, uh, five caps a day. And then I would recommend you dabble in, in, in some SARMs. Now it depends on how long it was since your PCT. I would run blood work, see where you're numbers are okay you can always run carterine during your bridge as non-suppressive it's not a SARM it's actually not a SARM technically it's actually a PPAR agonist so it's not hormonal and it's safe Osterine is also minimally suppressive so you can hop back on Osterine and run a short four weeks of Osterine during your bridge as well so those are your options for you that's how I would bridge with SARMs I wouldn't get too aggressive I wouldn't use RAD I wouldn't use LGD I want to use the more aggressive SARMs that are out there. Um, Nutribol, depending on your goals, is something you can use. It is non-suppressive. So with Nutribol, what it's going to do for you is if you're, especially if you're trying to, um, you know, you have appetite issues, Nutribol is a good option for you during your bridge. Um, it also helps with your sleep during your bridge, and it also helps with, with some mild fat loss. So those would be a good stack for you. The downside of Nutribol is if you are on the heavier side and you're trying to keep your um, appetite down, it will boost your appetite. But oddly enough, even though it boosts your appetite, unless you're eating complete shit, you'll still experience some fat loss. So it's one of those things where you kind of have to try for yourself. But but definitely, you know, um, those are your options for age, and that won't affect your, your um, recovery in between cycles. And then once you're fully recovered, then you can start planning your next cycle. But really, don't rush in between your cycles because your HPTA needs to get stronger. The stronger HPTA gets in between cycles, the better chance you have to recover thereafter. So you want to be testing your LH, your FSH, and your total testosterone before cycle, after PCT, and then before your next cycle to make sure everything is recovering on schedule. Love it. Do you want to want to read out topic number three? Yep. Our next topic is on cycle and post cycle supplements we should be taking. And Trevor, um, your last cycle, I'm not sure when it was, but can you talk us through what you took on cycle and then post cycle? And I'll kind of um, follow up on that. So I'm going to build up on the, on what you spoke about yesterday. Uh, we spoke about just previously is that, you know, you're talking about bridging, you're talking about bridging with SARMs. There are some good natural dietary supplements that, that are effective. And I, I, there's this misconception with steroid users that, supplements don't work, right? Like you'll always, you'll always hear steroid users say, Oh, I don't take supplements. They don't work. Well, you know, something like a creatine supplement, it's not going to be as effective as D ball or something like that, obviously. But I mean, it is effective. Creatine has over 400 clinical studies backing its effectiveness and its safety. And it's very inexpensive. I mean, most creatine supplements you're looking at $20 per month, if that. So, I mean, that's what I would add. Um, right now I'm using the creatine from our sponsor, needtobillmuscle.com. It's called Ancient Strength. It's a mix of creatine monohydrate, creatine HCL, and creatine pyruvate. It's just capsules, no powders, nothing like that. Um, very, very simple. Three capsules it gives you the five grams of creatine, which is the recommended dose. Um, I recommend five grams per day for a man, three grams per day for a female. You don't need to cycle or load creatine. That's, that's all bro science. The only reason supplement companies 
wrote that is because it makes it sound more steroid-like and more hardcore. So when creatine was new to market, everyone was talking about it and had so much hype because it was getting a lot of clinical studies, you know, showing it works. So they wanted to market it like it's a, a legal steroid, right? So they'd say, oh, we'll do your creatine cycle, you know, you're going to load your creatine and you're going to deep, like it just made it sound really hardcore, but that's, that's not how creatine works. Creatine super saturates your body's creatine phosphate stores. Once those stores are saturated, more creatine is not going to help you. It's just going to cause digestive issues. So there's no reason to use more than five grams per day. Very simple. When you take it, it doesn't matter. Um, the product I'm using, the H and strength from neededbuildmuscle.com, it's in capsules. So I just take it uh, before my workout, but it really doesn't matter. You can take it with breakfast, you can take it with dinner, you can take it with food on an empty stomach. Creatine is naturally occurring in food, so it's, it's perfectly safe. It's not a steroid. It's not a hormone. It's not a stimulus. It's nothing like that. Kids can take it too. Um, there's actually a lot of research right now showing that creatine can help prevent Alzheimer's because there are a lot of creatine phosphate stores in your brain, and those get depleted as you age. So the new research is actually not on athletes when it comes to creatine, but it's on seniors and trying to prevent memory loss and Alzheimer's. So it's really, really interesting. Um, so that's, that's what I would say is, you know, if you're going to bridge or, you know, even if you're on cycle, keep an open mind, you know, like obviously supplements aren't going to give you the same results as anabolic steroids, but there are some supplements that are very effective, you know, a good quality multivitamin would be another good addition, a krill or a fish oil would be another good health product, depending on how many vegetables you eat, maybe a greens powder, um, just, just simple recommendations like that. Steve, what are your so thoughts? yeah, when um, on cycle, guys, you want to make sure when you're on cycle, the, the thing is, you know, your your organs really take a beating, your liver takes a beating, your kidneys take a beating, your heart especially takes a beating, your estrogens all out of whack. So our argument is N2 guard because it helps balance all that out. So on cycle, definitely go with your N2 guard. When I was running Trend, um, this was back, you know, 2011, 2012. So it'd be what six, six, seven years ago. I was a trenaholic for, for a couple of years, you know, using trend on and off. And I found that running into guard at 10 caps a day really made a huge difference. And if I ran out and I didn't have it on hand, then I would feel like absolute shit, you know, without it. So it really, really does help. So give that a shot. If you like to keep your balls plump on cycle and to generate helps, it's got herbs in there that help stimulate, you know, your lithic cells. And then when you come off cycle, like we said before on PCT, it's very, very important not to just run a CIRM only PCT because that is basically you're blocking off estrogen from feedbacking into the pituitary glands. You're going to feel like shit, okay, just running Clomid and Novodex by themselves. Very important you stack in a good testosterone booster and to generate extra strength, which is ES, really, really works at offsetting those negative side effects. So those are the hardcore supplements to use. Trevor went over kind of more to soft core, soft, you know, supplements. But, you know, these supplements, guys, are, are really important to add. <clears throat> and in the old guys, old, old days, guys used to actually, like, buy all these products separately. And now we have the benefit of kind of having them in all-in-one formulas like this. So it really is um, a great um, way to you know, kind of feel better on cycle and feel better during PCT. So you should definitely take advantage of it. So our next topic is been on trend for six months, look great, but organs in bad shape. So let me kind of hit this one first a little bit, because I want to kind of do a little venting rant, rant here. And it's kind of a self rant on myself, because um, like I told you guys um, back in like 2010, 2011, 2012, I ran trend for like two or three years off and on. I didn't run trend two or three years straight, but I ran trend like I'd run it for eight, you know, six or eight weeks, calm off. Then I'd use it again, six to eight weeks. So I was like a trendaholic. And this guy ran it for six months. So he's, he is basically off the rail trendaholic. So I was kind of the mini trendaholic. So I can tell you from my own personal experience, during that time, I started developing internal issues, injuries, rotator cuff. My discs started going rapidly because the problem with trend, as much as you think it's making you stronger, it is actually making you weaker on the inside. So if you guys were to look at me, I was the biggest, I was the strongest, I was ripped, 
I was a monster on trend. I mean, nobody wanted to fuck with me in or out of the gym. I mean, I go to the gym and load up three plates and be doing reps, like no fucking problem. When the skinny guy next to me was like doing 25 pounds on each bar and he's like looking at me in shock, like, dude, like, how are you doing this? So it really is an image using steroids, especially trend is an image thing on the outside. You're going to, people are going to think that you're strong, but on the inside, you're going to be dying on the inside. So this is the thing, the meathead mentality needs to stop where you're only worried about what people think about you. And like I said, I'm self-hating saying this because that's how I was. I was the guy who went to the gym and saw you putting 25 pounds on the bar and I would sit next to you and load up two, two plates just for a warm up, just to, you know, get, you know, fuck with you. So I was that asshole in the gym. And it's one of those things where like, you're trying so hard to impress other people that you're actually not even truly enjoying it on the inside. It's an ego thing. So, you know, the me, him mentality guys, you know, it can lead to many, many problems. So you got to keep in mind what's happening on the inside. So if you're running trend for six months straight, I guarantee you your cholesterol is going to be 220, 230, 240, 250. Okay. I guarantee you, your cholesterol is going to be sky high, your total cholesterol, your bad cholesterol, is going to be sky high. Your good cholesterol is going to be low. Okay. Your blood pressure is going to be sky high. Your cycle psyche, the way you think your relationships, your marriage, all that stuff is going to go into the shitter because you're mentally going to think you're Superman. You're mentally going to want to fuck as many women as you can or men, you know, and it really, really does a number on your psyche. So you start doing stuff you're going to regret. You start cheating on your wife or girlfriend. You start, you start doing bad habits. It really does a number on your, you know, prolactin levels and your, your basically your, um, your addiction hormones in your head, your dopamine levels start going haywire. You know what I'm saying? So you get a rush, from doing things like like gambling or having sex with like some slut you've been off twin tinder it just turns you into a different person and you start acting differently so if you're on trend for that long at the end result as much as this guy thinks like wow i'm i'm superman i'm the man you're actually dying on the inside so it's very important if you run trend however long you run it you need to come off for the same amount of time off everything and you need to give your body a chance to catch up to the damage that you're making. So if I had continued using trend and abusing trend, I'd probably be in a wheelchair by now. Like seriously, it, it just blows your body up. So you really have to be smart about this. So, I mean, that's my little rant. Um, I'll let Trevor clean up um, because he knows a lot about the heart health. Um, I think you pretty much summed it up, Steve. I mean, all I'll say is that health is the one thing you neglect. You, health is the one thing you take for granted until it's gone, right? So a lot of people think, hey, this can't happen to me. This won't happen to me. Especially if you're a younger guy, you feel invincible, especially if you're running steroids, like you feel invincible. But they can happen to you. And it's evident with all the deaths we've seen. Like it, so many people have died before their time. I mean, Dallas McCarver was 25 when he died. Rich Piano was 40 when he died. I mean, we're seeing all these bodybuilders drop dead in their early 40s. Be responsible, guys. I mean, me and Steve, we're really open-minded. We're not against steroids by any means. I mean, we talk about steroids every single podcast, but health needs to be your priority. So if you want to use trend, just be responsible. Keep it to 10 weeks, the absolute max 12 weeks. Six months of any steroid is a death wish. Like, you're, you're just putting so much strain on your body. It's, it's not worth it. So this is a good one now. This is kind of a relationship um, lifestyle question. I'm curious to hear Trevor's perspective since he's a nice Western Canadian, um, you know, guy who wouldn't hurt a fly, it seems. But deep down, he's a psychopath. We know that, right, Trevor? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) So this question came in. He actually sent in a video question. And it was kind of funny because he, like, added the accent. So he says his his father-in-law is uh, from Texas, really old school. um, And he says he's sick and tired of them. And he wants to know our help. 
Um, so I actually have a lot of experience with this too, dealing with ex-girlfriends, fathers. But um, he says that, <clears throat> dear Stephen Trevor, my father-in-law is starting to piss me off. Last Thanksgiving um, at Thanksgiving dinner, he he and his and my mother-in-law were invited, and I have a six-year-old son. So I was cutting the turkey using an electronic cutter, and he took me aside. And he basically embarrassed me in front of everybody, calling me a wuss because I was using an electric trim to cut the turkey and not an actual knife. And then during Thanksgiving dinner, he insisted we watch football because he says that my son is turning into a pussy because he's not watching football and that real men watch football. And he wants his grandson to grow up to be a real man. So there was a big argument. I turned the TV off and he kept turning it back on. So what should I do about him and should I confront him and kind of take over and be the alpha male or should I be kind of let him do his thing? That's a tough question, man. That's a question where there's really no right or wrong answer. Um, first of all, I feel for this guy because he seems like a really nice guy and it seems like his father-in-law is a dick. Um, father-in-laws are always tough because at the end of the day, you're dating their daughter, right? So it's different. Mother-in-laws are tough, but it's a little bit different. Father-in-laws are always particularly tough. Um, I've been pretty lucky that every girl I've dated, the the father has been pretty nice to me. Um, I guess I come off as a really genuine guy. I'm well-spoken. Um, like I, I dress nice. I, I kind of come off as very non-intimidating, but it's tough, man. Uh, I think I think what I would do is I would approach him I wouldn't do it publicly. I wouldn't, you know, try to create a big scene or a fight. And I'd say, look, I, I really respect your opinions. I respect your viewpoint. Um, this is my son. Um, I'm going to raise my son the way I want to raise him. Um, I respect your endpoint. If you have any opinions on how I should raise my son, I, I would love to hear your opinions, but please do that to me in private. And please don't bewilder me in front of my children and in front of my family in public. So I, I would basically tell him like that. But now he's going to say he's going to call you even a bigger pussy for being nice like that. It's almost like he wants the, you to strike back at him. Does that make sense? And tell him you're not welcome in your home. Wow, that's pretty harsh. But let's go back to the first one. If you're cutting a turkey, I don't know. Have you ever cut a turkey? Yeah, I have. I mean, I've used both. Like, yeah. But do you think that you're a pussy if you use the electronic one versus an actual knife? The fucking knife. It's like using a <laughs> rice cooker cooking rice on the stove. So does it make any sense to you? I just want to make sure that it doesn't make any sense to you. If so, if someone like that, literally be like you coming to my house to be like, you're using a slow cooker. You're such a pussy. Use a pot. <laughs> you're like modern. This like this is the 21st century, Steve. It's convenient. I can put this on. I don't have to worry about anything spilling over. Like that. <laughs> ever heard in my life? Like you're a pussy for using an electric knife. It's like what, what about the uh, what about the second one? You're a pussy. If the kid doesn't watch football, he's a pussy. Like if your kid doesn't watch football, like if you had a kid and your father-in-law said, so if he doesn't watch his football, six-year-olds watch like Barney and Teletoon and like Thomas the Train Engine. He's six. I'd be like, well, why don't let the kid watch what he wants to watch? He's probably gonna want to watch like Dory the Explorer or some kid show. He don't even know what football. He wouldn't even get it. Like a six-year-old is just learning how to like dress themselves and like finger paint. They wouldn't be able to comprehend football. Like, like they'd see, you'd see a bunch of guys like running at each other and be like, what is this? Is this like some sort of like wrestling match? Like that's ridiculous. So if someone said you're a pussy cause you don't watch football. What do you have to say to that? Sorry. I have better things to do with my time than waste four hours watching grown men hit each other. <laughs> that's kind of like hockey is it hockey same thing I don't watch any sports if, yeah like, sports are great but i mean like i've got better things to do with my time than watch other people exercise for four hours like do you go to the gym and set up a lawn chair and, and watch people run on the treadmill for four hours like much the same thing. that's a good line i'm gonna use that line <laughs> i'm gonna use that line trevor yeah so that's a good perspective i like trevor's perspective on these things because he's kind of like you know, millennial generation perspective and stuff. So I kind of like, <laughs> you make a lot of sense on that for sure. But I would tell, look, I, I, this is one of those situations. I'm going to go back even further. 
Like, why are you marrying a woman whose dad is a jackass? Like some dumbass. No, no, don't you know? That's that's not fair to her. She can't choose her father. Yeah, but you can. Who you marry, Trevor? You're getting also their family. I think it's important to make sure the that her mom and dad are respectful to you. First of all, this guy isn't respectful to you. How he comes into your house on Thanksgiving, and he's trying to like run shit. I mean, that's disrespectful. Like, where's the previous Thanksgivings? You should have invited them over before you got married and seen his behavior before you married her. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, like, you've got to make sure. How many times do we hear about people getting married and she has, like, a brother, like, some loser brother, and that loser brother ends up moving in with you guys? Because the brother can't hold a job and he doesn't have his own place and stuff. So it's like you have to make sure her family – is you know sane before marrying her and and you you have to it's just it's it it can't it's part of it but like look if you really love her enough to put up with her dad and she's great and bad she gives you a great blowjob and stuff fuck it if he wants to come on thanksgiving and be the alpha male think he's the alpha male let him do it you know what i'm saying so don't don't pay him no mind so either way you know just I think that's that's probably the best advice you're going to get on this topic. So good luck. Keep us abreast on the situation. Maybe next Thanksgiving you'll have an update for us. Next question is, female wants a bigger butt. Um, that's pretty much uh, as clear of an explanation uh, question as, as we get. Female wants a bigger butt. So let me, let me just first say this, because <clears throat> I know Trevor, he works with a lot of females. So he'll be able to kind of clean up this topic. But you walk into a gym, especially if you're a female, okay? How many times, Trevor, have you taken a girlfriend with you to the gym? And she, she'll tell you always, I feel like all the guys are looking at me. Or she'll say, I feel intimidated by the women here. You know, she'll say stuff like that. Women are very insecure about their bodies, okay? Men are as well, but women are more vocal about it. They'll actually be honest with you. But I mean, men, they're not gonna, be, they're not gonna go to the girl and be like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I don't feel good about my arms. That guy has bigger arms than me. No, a guy's not going to say that. But deep down, we, we may think that. You know, so that's the difference between a male and female. But anyway, as a woman, you got to remember that genetics plays a huge role. Some women are blessed, okay? They have some nice-ass breasts. They got a nice-ass butt. They got, they, got, they, got, they got it, you know what I'm saying? They're beautiful. They got beautiful eyes, beautiful you know, their face, you know, everything, their hair, they got the long, pretty hair and all that good stuff. Some women are just fucked. You know, they might have big boobs and like no ass, or they might have like a huge ass and no boobs. So it really, you know, everybody's different. My advice for, you know, straight up to any woman is don't compare yourself to those females that you see at the gym. Those, the top you know, three, four, five women that are at the gym that are there every day, those are the genetically blessed women who fitness is their life. They're taking different stuff. They're taking supplements and PEDs. Or they're obsessed with it. Their boyfriend's probably some meathead jock who's like the district champion in bodybuilding in your area. So don't compare yourself to them. Just be the best you can be. You know, go with your genetics. No matter how bad your genetics are or how good they are, you can always improve. I train quite a few females and I'd say 90% of the females who come to me for training will express that they want a better butt. Um, and what I always do before I give recommendations, I ask what they're doing currently, because if I know what they're doing currently, it's easier for me to make changes than just give blanket recommendations. I would say 99% of these females are doing butt blasters. They're doing hip thrusters. They're doing, the cable kickbacks, they're doing the, the, the hip abductor and deductor machines. They're doing all these fancy glute machines. None of them are actually squatting. And then when I express that, I say, okay, so like you're doing like seven different butt exercises. Are you squatting? Are you doing walking lunges? Are you doing, you know, bench step ups? Like some of the, like the foundational athletic, you know, kind of like core lifts. None of them are doing it. And I don't know why. I guess it's the marketing to the females. If you go on YouTube and you look, you search like seven best 
butt exercises, none of them are promoting squats. I guess it's not sexy. I guess it's not, you know, something cool and it's, it's so basic. But whenever I get these women to start squatting, start walking lunges, start doing bench step-ups, like very, very simple stuff, especially with squats, you know, especially if you're doing, you know, wider stance squats, a sumo squat, that's the best way to target your butt. If you want a bigger butt, you need to build it, right? Your, your butt is basically a muscle. What do you think is going to build more muscle? Squatting heavy weight or doing some glute cable kickbacks with five pounds around your ankle? Obviously the squats. So I think women are kind of looking at this the wrong way. What they're trying to do is they're trying to do these like fancy, like sculpting, like voodoo butt exercise. But what they need to think of is I want a bigger butt. I need to build muscle on my butt. How do I build muscle on my butt? Squats, deadlifts, walking lunges, um, bench step ups, uh, sumo squats, um, things like that. So that would be my advice is without knowing more about your diet and training is I would start squatting. I would maybe do squats twice per week you know, maybe do one day where you really focus on lifting heavy. So for a woman, you wouldn't want to be doing singles or anything like that. Maybe, maybe be lifted in like the five to 10 rep range. And then on the second day I would do a higher rep. So maybe like 10 to 20 rep range. So that'd be my advice. Next question is, should I run DECA or D-Bowl for a first cycle? And this is a, a straight up question as well. It's not a detailed question, but it's a pretty standard question. So let's say, you know, you want to run just DECA by itself. Now, if you post that on a forum, you'll get about 20 responses flaming you that you're running DECA by itself. But the, the thing is, back in the 70s, 80s, and even 90s, guys used to run DECA by, by itself all the time. Because back then, you know, AIs weren't either existing or they weren't well-known enough. So in the late 80s and 90s, guys started using serums like Novadex on cycle. That's to kind of block the estrogen, keep the estrogen in line. But still, guys weren't stupid enough to run a ton of testosterone on cycle because you would just get bloated. And that was basically considered the number one side effect was estrogen-related side effects, was gyno. And could you imagine back then getting gyno? Like, I, I, don't, even, I don't even know if it was actually, like, talked about. Like if you had gyno, you're pretty much like flat out of luck. I'm not sure back then if they had the type of surgical expertise that we have today where now to get gyno removed, you go to the doctor, he numbs your pet and you're not even put to sleep or nothing. He just sits there and works on your pet and you don't even know that you had it done. It's done so well. But back in the seventies, they would have had to put you to sleep and they would have had to go in there and you would have a big mark on your peg. It would look really horrible. So obviously like back then they didn't use testosterone in their cycles, <clears throat> but now I'm not sure who started the whole that you have to use testosterone on cycle. I'm not, I, I think it was like a steroid source who was just trying to sell more steroids and the guy started actually believing it and stuff. So if you want to run DECA by itself, it's a steroid, run it by itself. If you're under run Debo by itself, run it. It's a steroid. Run it by itself. Just make sure we have tons of ancillaries available today. And the, the one you want to use with DECA is going to be Proviron. And the one you want to use with Debo is going to be Aromacin, which is an aromatase inhibitor. So if you run it properly with the proper stuff on cycle, run a proper PCT, it won't be a problem. The downside, though, if you run DECA by itself, is it's super, super mild. And you may not get the type of push, the type of androgenic effect in the body to really make you excited to use it. So a lot of the guys these days, we all want results overnight. We got became an ADHD society, social media, transformations, gaining 30 pounds on one cycle, yada, yada, yada you know, increasing our bench 50 pounds. Everyone wants results quick. You're not going to get that running DECA by itself. It's a very, very mild compound. It's a very long half-life. It takes five to six weeks to even hit peak levels in the body. So a lot of guys who run it by itself won't like what it does for them. But it's, it's really a great steroid as long as you run the proper stuff with it. I think that was a good answer. Um, 
I think the question is not, can I run DECA for a first cycle? Because the answer would be yes. I think the question would be, would I benefit from running DECA from a first cycle? And the answer would be, mm, depends on your goals. Now, most people are doing a first steroid cycle. They want to get bigger, right? They want to get stronger and they also want to gain muscle. So for that, you'd want to run something that's both anabolic and androgenic. That's why most people recommend testosterone for a first cycle as a hundred to hundred anabolic to androgenic ratio. You're going to get a perfect balance of gaining muscle and also gaining strength, which is what most people do, right? Most people on their first cycle, they want to get bigger. They want to get stronger. That's why most people are lured into steroids. So you could run DECA, but because DECA has very little androgenic properties, you're going to get very, very little strength gains from it. And it's very, very mild. So unless you're just looking for something super mild, you want, you know, a clean anabolic, you'll probably be disappointed by running DECA. Um, so I would at least add some testosterone to it, or I would just do a testosterone only cycle. Very, very simple. We now have arimatase inhibitors. So all of those estrogen problems associated with testosterone are no longer an issue. So if you ran arimacin with the testosterone, that would prevent the testosterone from arimatizing the estrogen. So that's what I would do. I would do a simple testosterone only cycle, 10 weeks, the testosterone of 500 milligrams per day, the rimacin at maybe 10 milligrams every other day, 10 weeks, run a PCT. Very, very simple. You'll get really good results, no side effects, inexpensive. There, there's a reason why everyone recommends a testosterone only cycle for a first cycle. Next question is one IU of HGH per day. Is it worth it? So let me um, touch on this a little bit. What I would, you know, I'd want everybody before they start using HGH, just because you can, is go run blood work. Check your IGF-1 levels and check your growth, growth serum and see where your levels are at for your age and versus the ranges and see if you're deficient in it. Um, but, you know, one, G, one IU a day of HGH would be kind of like, to me, running like 50 or 75 milligrams of testosterone a week. You're basically shutting yourself down and only getting in not even what your body naturally produces. So I would be curious to know, like, why you want to run one um, IU a day? Is it, is it a cost thing? Is it because it's, um, HGH is expensive? You know, I, I don't know. But, you know, my thing about it is um, if you're going to run it, you might as well run it you know, to benefit you. And there is such thing as running too much HGH. We see this, the pros at the high level, they run five, 10, 15 IUs of HGH a day. That's, that's too much. I would think a, a dosage of three to three and a half a day uh, IU would be enough. And kits are usually like 100 IUs. So if you run 3.3 IUs a day, that kit will last you a whole month. So that right there, cuts down on the cost versus running six IUs a day and, and having to get two kits per month, which is double the price. So that's, I mean, that's my logic. So I don't see any reason why you won't get result, good results on that. But you wanna keep in mind, you wanna run HGH at least three, four, five, six months to get the full benefits. That's been my experience. Okay, so will one IU of HGH per day hurt you? No, it won't. The nice thing about HGH is because it's a peptide hormone and because your body naturally re releases HGH impulses, there's no suppression. So the nice thing is that with HGH, you don't need to run a post-cycle therapy or anything like that. So Steve analogy of using you know, a tiny bit of testosterone, well, that's kind of stupid because you're going to shut yourself down and get very little benefit. I mean, at least with the HGH, you're not going to shut yourself down. So at least you're not doing any long-term harm. It's just, you're not going to really get anything from one IU of HGH per day. That would kind of be like after your workout, taking a third of a scoop of protein powder. I mean, right idea, but do you really think 10 grams of protein powder is going to do anything for you? No, it's not. So most people who can't run, you know, the recommended four to five IUs of HGH per day, it's a cost issue. So my recommendation would be to use HGH secretagogue, like Nutriball, or you could use some of the peptides or... If you can't afford HGH, just, just wait until you can. I mean, HGH isn't really that great of a drug. It's good for recovery and it's good for fat loss, but it doesn't do anything for muscle growth. Now, HGH, the, the name human growth hormone, is called human growth hormone because HGH in infancy 
cause stimulates the osteoclasts of bone cells, which makes you grow taller. So people think human growth hormone means, oh, it's going to make my muscles grow. No, human growth hormone is what makes children grow taller. So as an adult, your growth plates have already closed. So obviously human growth hormone is not going to make you grow taller, but there's so much misconception of HGH because of the name. So HGH actually doesn't do anything for muscle growth, like very, very little. It's a fat loss and recovery drug. So my advice would be, if you're an older guy and you're looking for the recovery and fat loss benefits, use an HGH secretagogue or just maybe save money for, you know, six, seven, eight, nine months until you can, you can afford it. All right, guys. Next question is alcohol sugar versus sweeteners versus fruit. Trevor, can you explain to us what alcohol sugar even is? So alcohol sugar, it's, there's, there's, four main macronutrients. There's carbohydrates, there's protein, there's fats, but there's also alcohols. So when you ferment a sugar, it becomes a sugar alcohol. Now, because the molecular structure is no longer a carbohydrate, by definition, it's not a carb. So it's not a sugar. So with a sugar alcohol, they can legally put on the label sugar-free, carbohydrate-free, whatever, but sugar alcohols are not calorie-free. That's the main thing I, I want to get, I want to address to people is that they still have calories. So if you're looking at erythritol or whatever, it'll say on, it'll say on the label, sugar-free, keto-friendly or whatever. Those are all just marketing terms. All those terms have no regulation. Yes, it doesn't have sugar, but it still has calories. And if you're intermittent fasting or anything, anything with calories is going to kick you out of your fast. So sugar alcohols, is just, it's just companies trying to trick you. When it comes to sweeteners, the best sweetener is the natural calorie-free sweetener, stevia or monk fruit. Um, that would be my recommendation. Uh, and then when it comes to fruit, I think fruit is fine in moderation. Fruit does contain fructose. And the issue with fructose is that it can only, it can only stimulate liver glycogen. So you have regular carbohydrates and glucose. Those will refill muscle glycogen, but fructose it only goes to your liver. That's why fructose doesn't raise blood sugar levels. It goes straight to your liver. Now, the problem is your liver has a glycogen storage capacity of about 50 grams. So if you consume fructose in excess of 50 grams, all of that is going to go straight to body fat because basically your liver's glycogen capacity is, is filled and then it goes straight to fat. Now, an apple has around five grams of fructose, right? So unless you're eating 20 apples per day, it's not an issue. The issue is things like high fructose corn syrup, sugar, which is 50% fructose, things like that. So unless you're consuming sugar or you're consuming fruit juice or you're consuming corn syrup or you're consuming, you know, fruit snacks or anything processed, fruit's not an issue. Um, just make sure you're sticking with whole unprocessed fruit and be, and be responsible. I mean, I've seen people eat 20 bananas in a day because they're cheap and, and they taste good. Like that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, eating that much of anything isn't good, right? So if you want to have fruit, I'd say maybe limit it to two or three servings per day and then stick with whole fruit. Yeah, I've never met anyone who got fat off eating fruit or got fat off eating sweet potatoes or got fat off eating rice. It's always blamed. You know, if you go to a doctor and ask them about fruit, they're like, oh, it's still sugar. Well, a melon is 95% water, 4% fiber, and like 1% sugar, natural sugars. So I don't see why everyone's scared of fruit. It's not a big deal. Even Trevor's analogy, even, you know, playing devil's advocate to Trevor's analogy. And if you really believe fruit is the enemy, who eats 20 apples in one day? I mean, that's just not even plausible. People who live off fruit, like fruit people who just eat fruit and vegetables or vegans or something, they don't eat that much fruit in a day. They might have like a half a melon for breakfast, half a, you know, a three quarter of a papaya for lunch, you know, and then some broccoli and, you know, Brussels sprouts for dinner and maybe some rice. I mean, that's what they eat. They don't eat 10 apples for breakfast and then 10 more apples for lunch. So I, I just don't buy it. I mean, you can get fat off of fruit. I don't see what the problem is. If you're looking to sweeten your coffee or your tea, raw, raw honey. What's wrong with raw honey? Unprocessed raw honey, guys. It comes from nature. Like anything from nature, the body will love you if you put it inside it. If you're using anything that's processed, 
you know, um, high fructose corn syrup. If you're using um, like sweet and low and, and sucralose and all that crap, your body will hate you. You know, that's all processed shit. It's made in some lab and then you put it in your body. Of course, your body's going to have a negative reaction. I can't stand like even like stevia and monk fruit. I can't stand that shit. It tastes weird. It makes me feel funny. I mean, I rather just, this is the thing like with chewing gum, you see chewing gum that has sugar-free chewing gum. You think, oh, it's okay to chew. And then you chew it on an empty stomach and you start feeling like shit and you get diarrhea and you're like, what's going on here? Well, it's affecting your body in a negative way. Even though you're not eating it, you're chewing it. It's just the taste goes in your mouth. So stick to natural sweeteners. Like if you like, if you have a sweet tooth, fruit is great. Uh, the melon family, the citrus family, the tropical family, all the tropical fruits are great. Um, you're not going to get fat off consuming fruit. There's no reason to be scared. And, um, you know, like it, it's, it's just amazing. The, the one caveat with, with fruit is certain fruits like bananas have low sugar content. I'm sorry, low, low water content. Uh, banana water content is like in the mid seventies and that's, that's low for a fruit. So um, a lot of people do the one fruit they do eat is banana, ironically. And that's the one fruit that I'd rather you not eat. I'd rather you eat the more watery fruits, the tropical fruits, the, the citrus fruits and the melon family and also the berry family. I can't leave out the berry family, but make sure the berries are organic. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh, apples. My problem with apples is many apples that you see in the store were made in some university in some lab. They were developed there. So um, the reason for that is because they're very tolerant, like um, weather tolerant. They're very hardy. They can be shipped from Washington state to across the country and not go bad and they're covered in wax even if it's organic so i'm not a fan of apples either um i know a lot of people like them and an apple day isn't going to kill you but i would still rather you consume those other fruits i mentioned over or an apple i personally don't mess with apples or bananas that's the two fruits i don't like apples, what do you think about that trevor apples are on the dirty dozen list so make sure to buy them organic um the next topic, guys, is our final topic is shoulder hurts while lifting. And, uh-oh, this is not a good one. We, we get a topic like this like every other day. And, you know, um, I had to learn this the hard way. And what usually happens when you're benching or you're doing military is you might start noticing one arm feels weirder than the other. Has this, has this ever happened to you, Trevor? No, I've been pretty lucky. Yeah, it's not luck. It's that you're young. And number one, you don't lift heavy. Um, you haven't lifted super, super heavy. You haven't power lifted. But what happens is as you get older, um, things are going to start happening. And that's going to be a red flag right after that. So if you start noticing one arm is stronger than the other, let's face it, if you're right-handed, it's usually going to be your right arm that goes first. Because when you're straining on a rep, what do you favor? You're going to favor your right side if you're right-handed. And if you're left-handed, you'll favor your left side right? That's just common sense. So you'll probably notice your right arm goes down first, and that's because your rotator cuff is starting to tear. So when your rotator start, uh, cuff starts to tear, you'll start getting inflammation going down your arm. You'll start having pain in your shoulder. Now it's easy because we weight lift, you know, every day or every other day to ignore that because you'll just say, oh, you know, it's just normal soreness. It's normal pain. I don't care. But what happens is eventually that rotator cuff is going to completely tear off or it's going to get so the pain's going to get unso so unbearable. It's going to feel like your arms in a vice. So that's what happened to me. You're going to end up going to the doctor. A good orthopedic is going to take an MRI of your shoulder and tell you straight up, Hey, you have a torn rotator cuff, pure and simple, but you don't need surgery. That's good news. So what you're going to have to do in that situation is rest. You're not going to be able to do bench pressing, militaries, pull-ups, pulls, anything like that that put pressure on your shoulder. But if you do continue to do it, you're going to have a complete tear, and then you're going to have to do what Cam Newton had to do a year ago, which is have surgery and be out for six full months. And you don't want that. Um, you don't want some doctor going in there and digging around. So this is an example, though, of experience that I went through 
and I'm trying to prevent you from going through the same problem. So red flags right off the bat. When that happens, you need to stop putting pressure on your shoulder. There are other exercises at the gym you can do without straining your shoulders. And what did that guy say, Trevor, to us? The guy who won Mr. Olympia that was on our podcast? What was his name from 78? Frank Zane. Yeah, Frank Zane, he told us on that podcast that the mistake guys make in the gym are they train shoulders too often. And you know what? He was right because that happens too much. We, we overtrain our shoulders. And if you take any guy from the gym who's a meathead who lifts heavy and put them under an MRI machine, I guarantee you they'll have some type of rotator cuff tear on both their shoulders, but especially on their more dominant shoulder. And that's, that's normal. As you get older, things start going haywire. So you want to protect your shoulders. Um, I don't have a problem with lifting heavy. I used to lift heavy, but you have to lift smart. If you're doing one or two reps, lifting heavy, that's not lifting smart. I'll let you finish this up, uh, Trevor. So my advice would be is that I see everyone's busy, but I see people all the time. They rush in the gym and they don't take five minutes to warm up. Like, Guys, it's five minutes, maybe 10 minutes for a bigger muscle group like legs. This is all about longevity. I mean, would you rather take five minutes to warm up or be out for three months because you had a major surgery? So, I mean, take some time to warm up. I mean, that's the easiest thing you can do. Don't ego lift. I mean, just just simple stuff, guys. Like, like you know, do some stretching, do soft tissue work. If you can afford it, try to get massage regularly. Even things like, uh, hot Epsom salt baths, saunas, those are all really, really good for loosening up tight muscles. So our next podcast is going to be with Dr. Daniel Pompa. He's a really, really smart guy. Look at, look him up. I mean, I'm really excited to get him on the podcast. So that's going to be our next podcast. Me and Steve will be recording that on Friday, and then we'll continue on with the Q&A episode. So as always, if you have questions, you can send me a DM. You can send me an email. All of my contact info is on the show notes. And then you can also send Steve a private message if you're on the evolutionary.org forums. Um, If you're not on the forums, I would definitely recommend signing up. It's completely free, evolutionary.org. You sign up. Um, It's a great forum. It's a great community. There's no bashing. Um, It's very, very active. I mean, there's probably 50 to 60 new threads posted every single day. Me and Steve are on there every single day. So definitely check out the evolutionary.org forums. For your host, Trevor Karitson, For my co-host, Steve Smee, this has been another episode of Evolutionary Radio. Live your life, look good doing it. Thanks for listening.